0: Welcome to episode 283 of Fergo and the Freak.
1: I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRP. And joining me is the glorious League Freak. You can always find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate?
0: I'm going very well, Andrew. And I hope that Sandy doesn't fast forward this part of the podcast. Uh, Sandy must not forward this part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sandy, it's... Sandy, are you listening? Right. If you go to manscape.com and you put in our code NRL, Sandy, you can get 20% off and free shipping from all the products that they have there. Uh, the Luma 3.0 is really the, the technological revolution that's taking over planet Earth, especially in the last couple of years.
1: Well, let's be honest. I mean, it's the normal evolution of science.
0: Yeah. You know, we built the tank. We went to the moon. We now have smooth balls exactly exactly and look sandy appreciates that sort of thing and so if you go there put in your code nrl 20 percent off and free shipping what more could you really want yeah i mean uh, let's be honest this is a deal that sandy put together yeah it's one that she
1: demanded yeah absolutely and we thought you know we're not going to say no to sandy exactly and she loves intros
0: she really does. She never fast-forwards
1: ours. I've been told that that's all she does. She just listens to the intros and just just deletes it after that. Yeah, pretty much. That's all I'm here for is the intro. Pfft, rest of shit.
0: She's so what are we doing? What are we doing after the intro?
1: Oh, we'll just talk shit. You know, Sandy's not listening. We can go and talk about anything else after this.
0: Okay, excellent. So what's happening?
1: Um, There's been a bit of news going on around the clubs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Most of it's a, a, sort of hanging around Melbourne a bit to start with, because um, yeah. there was a lot of speculation last year that Jerome Hughes was going to be moving over to the Warriors.
0: They yeah, were, the War- they were Warriors. courting him pretty heavily. Yeah, they were going to spend big money. They were going to get him back there to New Zealand. But apparently, uh, Jerome Hughes doesn't want to hang up his boots just yet. He wants to stay with some relative uh, clubs in the NRL that are going somewhere.
1: Yeah, well... That leads us to another thing, and that is the Warriors are going somewhere, and it's to Australia full time.
0: Yeah, they're it's, staying um, in Australia.
1: A bit of talk this year, uh, this week, that um, because of the constant lockdowns going on in Auckland at the moment, that it might be easier for the Warriors to just base themselves on the Central Coast for this NRL season yet again.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, at least this time, though, I'm pretty certain that the players will actually have all of their family with them, so it should be less traumatising, you know, for lack of a better word, for them all, they should be able to be a bit more comfortable, I guess, this time around.
0: Yeah, and like last time it was all very last minute and now they've had a chance to really plan for if this happens. Um, they know how to cope with things a little bit better, so that'll be good for them. Um, it's not going to do anything for their season, I don't think, but you know, it it's weird that we didn't get a chance to have that trans-Tasman bubble for travel. Um, I know that that was one of the first goals that Australia and New Zealand kind of had, and it just hasn't worked out. So, you know, it's well, just this... I I've got, this, to, I was say, I've got to ask,
1: yeah. um, what was Peter Vlandys doing to, you know,
0: other than making that bubble work? I mean, he does everything, doesn't he? Well, apparently, you just have to listen to the media. They worship the ground. He walks on... Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it sucks for the warriors, but you know, what can you do?
1: Yeah, it's, I suppose it's the best option that they've got going for them. Um, being based out of the central coast is not too bad because they can make that venue their own home. They don't have to sort of share a home ground with someone else. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: it's central coast. So obviously they're going to be sharing it with the West Tigers cause they, every, every ground's their home ground. Penrith shares a home with the West Tigers. Parramatta does. Who else? Oh, Canterbury.
1: I I wouldn't say Penrith shares anything with the West Tigers. It would be
0: begrudgingly, wouldn't it? Well, we of take rivalry. We take their players. We take their coaches. We take their next generation of supporters. We just we take took, it what
1: we want. We took some of your players too. The rivalry is still on. Yeah, true. Yeah, don't don't try and just get, don't don't make it a one way rivalry. <laughs> I mean, I know it is one already, but, you know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Jerome Hughes is going to stay at the Storm. I think he signed a uh, a long-term contract there too. So, it's looking like they're going to hang on to him and be, make him their uh, long-term seven, which, I don't know. Mm. I, I thought they might have tried to look for someone else for that role.
0: Yeah, look, I guess he's a good stopgap measure. He got the job done last year for them, so... What more can you really want than that? Mm, I I also wonder, like, if Craig Bellamy is going to leave the Storm at the end of this year, you know, is it his place to be signing players like Hughes to longer-term deals? It's an interesting question.
1: The other thing for me is, I suppose it's easy to have a stopgap halfback when you've got Cameron Smith in your side. Yeah. That's not the case for the Storm this year. So a lot more is going to fall back on Cameron Munster for pretty much the majority of the organizing that goes on, which Cameron Smith usually always did, you know, and he did it at the ruck. Yeah. Whereas Munster's going to be first, second receiver. It's going to be a little bit trickier from back there. Um, Harry Grant. Well, I mean, he's, he's very good at doing that as well. Not Cameron Smith. Obviously no one else is, but, yeah. uh, He's he's going to be injured and missing in a few weeks to start with, so yeah, that's I don't know. I'm not going to write off the storm. You can't, no. But it, it's also mostly because yeah, it's a common thing to do. Everyone writes him off.
0: Yeah, Len. Like I don't know. I guess the worst case is you've got Hughes. You can he can fill in a number of different positions, and you've got him locked down for a while. I don't think they've paid him superstar money. And he's going to be there until 2024. So, you know, it's not like there's somebody else that they can look at and say, well, instead of Hughes, we'll get them instead. It keeps a bit of continuity with the club. And, you know, I think it's the best thing for him. And it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's the best thing for the Storm as well. Yeah, I mean, you want that
1: stability, especially in your spine, where you can get it and after losing Cameron Smith
0: from your side. You don't want to shake up the spine too much more after that. There's a a question we got sent to us via email from Liam, who sends us a lot of great questions. And he says, Hi, guys. With it looking like Smith's time at the Storm is over, it got me thinking, do you think that Craig Bellamy needs to win a premiership without Cameron Smith to solidify his legacy as one of the best coaches? I only ask because I see some people discredit Bennett's coaching by saying, Anyone could have coached the Broncos in the 1990s, often forgetting that his 92 and 06 teams were completely different. Do you think that people will say Bellamy was carried to success by having once new generation players in his squad, or will people give him the credit he deserves? Also, where does Bellamy sit in your all-time coaches list?
1: I would put... Hmm... See... My my number one coach of all time mm-hmm. is neither Bennett or Bellamy. Who is it? It's Arthur Halloway. Okay. He's won more premierships as a coach and player combined than anybody else in the game.
0: If you were starting a fantasy team tomorrow yeah. and you could pick any coach in the whole history of the game to start that club with, who would you pick? That's him. Okay. Tony Halloway. Pick, I would pick Craig Bellamy. Yeah, I, I would
1: definitely have Bellamy, um, in the top three. Okay. You'd be Who, up there alongside. I think. Um, oh.
0: Obviously, see, it's, it's it's uh, Phil Konomites, and then. Oh, Terry Lamb. Uh, yeah, Terry Lamb, Holloway. <laughs> um, I I think if I was
1: to put him in order, I'd probably go with. Uh, Halloway, maybe Jack Gibson,
0: Craig Bellamy, I've
1: got Wayne Bennett probably at four.
0: <clears throat> okay. See, I, I think that Bellamy, his record speaks for itself. I, I just don't think you can look past um, especially the fact that it's modern day coaching. Like, you go back to a certain point in the game, and there's it's a bit of man management, it's a bit of You know, getting your team pumped up and ready for the game. Whereas Bellamy, I think, can break down an opposition better than anyone else. I think he has proven that he gets more out of players that other clubs sometimes have rejected and have just moved on from. And Bellamy's able to turn their players sometimes into origin players. And when they leave the storm, they're never the same. No, that's exactly right.
1: I think the other thing, too, is Bellamy's done it all with, um, you know, largely a squad that's come from Queensland, Mm -hmm. and he's based in Melbourne. Yeah. That can't be easy to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, you know, recruitment is possibly the most important thing that he's had to be uh, across his whole time at the Storm, and... Look who he's recruited in his time. Some of the all-time greats of the game. And they could have gone to the Cowboys or the Broncos.
0: Yeah, and they've very rarely left the storm. Yeah. Because they've wanted to, you know. And
1: this is the thing is that it's easy to look back at it and say, oh, he's had all these great players. But the Broncos could have got Billy Slater before anyone knew of his existence. Yeah. That Cowboys could have had him. Same with Cameron Smith, same with Cooper Cronk, same with Greg Inglis, Israel Folau. You know, you can go through the names. And other clubs could have had him that were closer to them, mm-hmm. that they probably grew up following. And he managed to
0: get them and then drag them down to Victoria. Um, it makes you wonder that he must have picked up a lot from his time at the Canberra Raiders, who were really that team before the storm that would take players from elsewhere, make them comfortable in an environment that was very different to where they've come from and kept them there the whole time. Like they had, you know, Kiwis, Fijians, Queenslanders down there while uh, Bellamy was a player. And Bellamy's really been able to create that similar sort of club down in Melbourne where the players don't want to leave it.
1: Matt, you've you've absolutely nailed it because – Canberra didn't have much of a junior base uh, in the eighties to work from, even during the early nineties when they were quite successful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, they would they recruited first through Queensland and got some of the best Queenslanders, you know, out of there: Gary Belcher, Mal Meninga, uh, just to name just to name those two. And then when the when the Broncos came along and that avenue sort of got shut down, they then started getting players from New Zealand. Yeah. And then when the Warriors came in, they started looking at the Pacific Islands. And then, as we've seen under Ricky Stewart, they're now looking over in England. And they're having a lot more success getting English players than most other teams are right now. Yeah. Um, so they've always had that knack of being able to look, you know, further afield than every other team. And Bellamy's been doing exactly the same thing and almost following it um, in the same order. Yeah. The same way around. It's phenomenal. And it just makes you wonder what the hell's going on with the Broncos and the Cowboys and even the Titans, I guess, that they're not picking up these
0: absolute stars. Yeah, they're missing They're missing out on them. And, you know, we're going to have another Brisbane team. So we're going to have, you know, four clubs in Queensland. And it makes you wonder, like, is that too many for Queensland? Is it... You know, is it the right number? I don't know. You kind of look at the Queensland player base. I don't think it is greatly better than it used to be when it was just the Broncos. And that's a concern. And that's something the Queensland Rugby League needs to look at. And I wonder if it's, you know, it's all well and good when you win in state of origin series, especially when your team is based around players that weren't developed in Queensland for the most part. But underneath that, like yeah. there's obviously a, something's missing there in the Queensland rugby league setup, where you know they, they can produce elite players, but the depth of talent isn't there at the moment. The New South Wales rugby league has been producing a depth of talent, you know, since 1908. Just about, yeah. New, New Zealand produces a depth of talent. The Pacific Islands collectively produce a depth of talent. So where is it with Queensland? And that's something. Maybe the NRL needs to look at, especially considering we're going to put another team there.
1: And a lot of people have been talking about how a, a second Brisbane team is going to impact the Broncos. So I, I don't think anyone's looked at how much a second Brisbane team could impact the Storm. Yeah, it's, it, it is mean, going the to. Storm's be got a feeder competitor. club up there, so you know it's going to be yeah, it's another team vying for their young talent. And ever since the Storm had that massive fine they got for the salary cap breach Mm -hmm. um and this is not debating about whether that was right or wrong or anything but what it did is it it pretty much destroyed the grassroots football that the storm had created in melbourne so you don't see any yeah we you may see one or two victorians coming through playing the nrl but there's just not that many and you think after having been in, in existence for 20 odd years they, they'd, have, they'd have at least brought through, you know, at least 17
0: plays in that time. hmm And it just hasn't happened.
1: No, oh, and and
0: it's probably time for the NRL to get on the storm about that because that's not good enough.
1: No, but that's the thing is, the, I mean, they've set up a, a Victorian NRL facility thing out here in, in Broadmeadows. Mm-hmm. But, and that, that, I think that started, got set up about two years ago, but that's you know, that's twenty years too late. That
0: should have been in place from day one. Yeah, but and the thing the thing is too. I mean, the storm was set up like at the as the very end of the Super League battle between the arl and super league when they formed the nrl yeah they were also basically forming the melbourne storm and the last thing anyone was thinking back then is how are we going to sort out the juniors for this club
1: they just wanted
0: a team that's right and the
1: the storm are basically you know a bastard club when you consider that they're a merger of hunter and western reds and bit of the gold coast and you know just bits and pieces from everywhere yeah uh so it's wasn't the best start, but you know they were, for, you know, thankfully for them, successful very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, especially with No Bellamy there. Who they're going to give as their next coach? Because
0: yeah, fill those fucking shoes. Yeah, good luck with that. Who like I haven't got anyone in mind that would be the next coach of the Storm, unless it was. Cameron Smith hell like he's the only one that I can sort of think you know what he'd be the sort of dude that could step in and do that role and it not be about following in Bellamy's footsteps it's sort of his own thing I don't know if he's got any interest in coaching and I don't know if he's got any interest in living in Melbourne any longer just because it seems like he kind of wants to go back to Queensland now um but I can't think of a coach that's out there that you kind of look at and you say, well, he's next in line. I know that they've talked about Jason Riles. Um, yes. I tend to think that you need to have coached at a lower level and been the head coach for some time before you can say that somebody is a an NRL coach in waiting. And I think we've seen that with uh, Trent Barrett. You know, you can't just be anointed a coach and then chucked into the deep end because it just doesn't work. Yeah, It would have been a
1: good year I think to have had um you no know, if 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 they're going to use Ryles as a coach then maybe give him a season coaching in the Super League or coaching a in Queensland Cup team or something like that. Yeah. Just to get him into the the routine of it but I don't know if he's he has he has been at the Storm on the coaching panel for quite a while. So Maybe I, I dare say they wouldn't. They wouldn't go there if if um, Bellamy didn't think he was right for the job. True. I, I don't think Bellamy's the sort of person that wants to leave the club in a shit position.
0: Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. So
1: he'd be he'd be inclined to leave him with a good coach.
0: How about this? I've just thought of this: the, the coaching role becomes available, and it's a it's a high profile one. But it's also one that is a little bit unique. You know, you're living in Melbourne, you've got to be ready to do that. Uh you're gonna step into some shoes. A lot of people find that very daunting. If you're Michael Maguire and you get a phone call and they say, Wanna come and coach the storm? Do you leave? I don't know, I I've always had
1: this impression that Michael Maguire wanted to be in Sydney. Okay. Um, I do wonder though if the storm would be tempted to contact Anthony Seabold. And I know that sounds crazy, mm-hmm. but I think with a good roster and support staff around him, someone doing all of the recruitment for him, and we know how good the recruitment is, maybe he wouldn't be too bad in that role. I'm not suggesting he should be there, but you know, as, as a bit of an outside option.
0: That might be a way to go. Um, see, if if I'm the Storm owner, and someone comes to me with that idea, they're <laughs> fired.
1: <laughs> well, that's that might be true. I see. The thing is, and this is the problem that Anthony Seibold is always going to have: is you're only as good as your last season. Yeah, and, and his last season was dog shit, and
0: yeah. that's how
1: he's going to be remembered. No one's going to remember his, his first two
0: seasons. All of his drama as well. Yeah. And I'm not talking about but, how he's, how it all ended. I'm talking about as he was there, just uh, there was always some drama with him. And that's because he went from being a coach of
1: one of several Sydney clubs to being the coach of the Brisbane club. So a much, t- a much stronger microscope put on him and... The Broncos aren't a team that's associated with failure. Well, they weren't anyway. Um, and so a lot more pressure there. And like people will say, oh, you know, but South have won the most premiership. Yeah, South have only won one premiership since 1973. Yeah. And there was a lot, a lot of failure in those, you know, that 40-odd years. So I think South fans are, are realistic while also being – optimistic.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So Seabolt didn't have as much pressure to perform there. He's a bit of an unknown entity, but because he had a bit of success there and went pretty well, that coupled with coaching the Broncos, it just, it meant the expectations were extremely high. And every day that he failed to keep at that level, he started getting further and further away from that level until it got to, you know, he hit breaking point pretty much the first time he came up against Wayne Bennett. Yeah. And then he'd recover and win a few games and things go well and then come up against Wayne Bennett again and uh, here we go, he's off the rails again. Then he'd get back on the horse and then it just sort of, every time Bennett came along, he just got smacked down even harder and harder and harder. It was crazy. I just think
0: he, I just think he was a disaster as a coach. I think that he lucked out at the Rabbitohs. He took over from a, a team that had been just about rebuilt for him. He did well there. He immediately jumped ship. And when he was in control, he just showed he wasn't up to it. And, like, I, I don't think he'll ever coach in first grade again. Well, maybe,
1: maybe the Storm could go with another uh, premiership winning coach who currently isn't coaching anywhere mm-hmm. and has a history that matches the storm. To some extent. Who would that be?
0: Shane Flanagan. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I hope they don't choose that pathway. That would be really bad. Oh, man.
1: i tell you what. Here's an option. is The Sharks go and do the stupid fucking thing that everyone suggests they will, and they'll go and get Flanagan, and they're still yep. going to pick up John Morris.
0: I don't think that would be a bad move. I think that would be, be actually a pretty good one for the yeah. Storm. He'd be a good coach. Um, I wonder if they would look at somebody like a Mal Meninga, no. like,
1: uh, uh, you don't no. think so? No, no, no. See, the storm routine that needs, um, the sort of coach who's a lot more hands-on and Mal Meninga seems to be the sort of bloke who's more of a mentor, sort of sit back and yeah. I'll I'll say something inspirational to you and that's my job done. Uh, they've always got a pretty strong technical aspect to what they do in the storm. And I, I don't think Malmaninga would suit that role.
0: So I just can't think of anybody else that really jumps out for it. You know, it's, and whoever comes into the role, they're going to have to make it their own. They can't step in and be a Craig Bell, like they can't step in and think I'm going to do what Craig Bellamy did. Because, oh, no, right. you know, no one really can do that. Um, it's going to be interesting. We'll find out, I guess.
1: Yeah, we will. Yeah, speaking of finding out, Cameron Munster today said that um, he thinks Cameron Smith will play on in 2021, which is interesting given that the season starts in a week and Cameron Smith doesn't have a club. Yeah. And he doesn't think he'll be at the Storm, which... Well, that's pretty clear. It looks like the
0: Storm have pretty much said Smith is gone. Yeah. Um I I just don't know why a team hasn't committed to Cameron Smith yet. I don't think it would be Cameron Smith's doing like, I, like we said a couple of episodes ago, like, you know, his age, just not having a, a proper preseason is a problem. Um, and you would think he's going to need a few weeks of training and stuff just to be, you know, familiar with his teammates. Um, you know, he'd be fan- absolutely fantastic at the Titans. But we'll wait and see. I, it's it is a bit of a strange one. I tend to think that it might be one of those things where we keep waiting and waiting and waiting, and then three years from now we're all like, "Hey, yeah, Cameron Smith actually just went. He stopped playing, and that was it. Well, and if he, that's what he's done, it, I think it's awesome. Like, absolutely. I, somet- sometimes these players they come out with you know, declarations of like, oh, I'm retiring and stuff, and you think, come on, calm down.
1: <laughs> I I did see too, that I think Cameron Smith has released his own wine. Oh, has he? Or so something like that, yeah, some sort of alcohol thing.
0: What's it called, do you know? Um,
1: I don't
0: know. Two Smith- books? <laughs> two books. Smithage <laughs> juices? <laughs> Goat juice. Goat juice. That would be funny, eh, hey, if you called it goat juice. <laughs> that would be absolutely brilliant.
1: Now, something that's come up during the week, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Caelan Ponga came out and said that he wants the NRL to consider putting players' names on the back of their jumpers because he wants to get a Roger Tuivasa-Sheck match-worn jersey.
0: Yeah. Oh, look... This is something, and I bet you feel the exact same way I do. So I'm going to say what I think, and we'll see what you think, all right? mm-hmm. I I don't like personalized numbers for players. I think you have to earn the number, and I don't think that a jersey is something that should be personalized to you. I think it's something you've got to earn every week. You can lose it. It's not yours. It will be somebody else's when you leave. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of the name on the back of rugby league jerseys. I don't mind it on other jerseys. Like I've got basketball jerseys and stuff with player names on the back of them. Um, but in rugby league, it's different. Um, I don't like the player numbers that are assigned before the season starts in Super League. And I wouldn't like to see player names on the back of jerseys. It's also some pretty valuable advertising space for clubs. Like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of it. So there's also that you're working against as well.
1: Yeah, look, I'm fully opposed to set numbers. Mm-hmm. Um I mean and that's I think it might just be an Australian thing. In in Australia, we see the number being associated with the player position. Yeah. Typically, seven's half back, 1 is fullback. Yeah, yada yeah. Yada, yada. The UK has been doing it since, what, 96, so maybe they're a bit more comfortable with it. The crazy yeah. thing about what they do over there, though, is, you, you know, if Joe Bloggs is the, is the halfback for Leeds Rhinos for 12 years, he may not actually have the number seven allocated to him for all of those 12 years. He might just change it around every second year if he wants, mm-hmm. which just kind of, to me, defeats the purpose of it. Yeah. right. Like, if you wanted to be given a set number, wouldn't you want to have it for the entirety of your career? The idea of that, I believe, comes down to everyone wanting to do their own Michael Jordan type thing.
0: Yeah, and like there's – I mean, do you remember when they brought in numbers for one-day cricket and Shane picked number 23 because of Michael Jordan? And Mm -hmm. it was just like, how about you do something yourself? And that's the thing, every second player at every club
1: will be doing the same thing. I want a 23 like Jordan. Yeah. And just think – it's just a wank.
0: It really is. It there's really only is. one
1: Jordan. He's the only man with twenty three. And then they'll, or if they're not doing that, they'll be getting the same number as Kobe or some other shit. And it's just. Oh, I meant Jordan Tansy. I don't think he ever wore twenty three. Maybe know. you meant one of the other fifteen thousand Jordans that play in the Super League. <laughs> yeah,
0: there's enough Jordans over there.
1: <laughs> there's enough Jordans over there to have an entire competition of players just with players named Jordan. Just yeah. It'd be
0: great. The Jordan um, Cup. But yeah, and like, I think the, the big biggest sticking point is the fact that it's advertising space. And I just can't imagine that that's feasible for clubs to lose that advertising space. You could put, I guess you could put the name underneath the number. But even then, I mean, you know, that's some advertising space there that I've seen a lot of clubs using as well. But maybe there's a way to have like, I, like, I don't like getting jerseys that, like, when you buy one as a fan, I like to get ones that are clean and don't have all the sponsorship logos on them. And so, I, and I don't buy jerseys very often. Like, I tend to like to wear my old school 1991 Panthers jersey if I'm going to wear a Panthers jersey. Um, but it, maybe there's an option where we can have, like, a fan jersey that you can buy and it does have players' names on the back.
1: I mean, they used to do those, in, you know, back in the early 90s. Yeah. You just,
0: you'd go to a specific shop,
1: I don't mean Best and Less or something like that, and you just get a, a cheap knock-off version of the jumper, and then you, you could get a number put on the back or a name if you wanted to.
0: Yeah, I know. I bought a jersey once um, at Peter Wins and got my own name put on the back. Eddinghausen. How'd it all fit on? <laughs> yes. What would be the longest name in rugby league that uh you'd have to fit on the back of a jersey? Oh there's there's been a few
1: players from uh Ukraine I think.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they'd smash it. <laughs> I reckon you I reckon you get the right Greek player as well.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's plenty of those. See so if I can find one off the top of my
0: head here. A Ukrainian, a Greek player. See, you would say Welsh, but they're all called Jones. There was a Andrew Alexandropoulos
1: who played for Greece. That's a good one. That's a pretty good one. Yeah. Um, Zvyatislav Andrewchenko from the Ukraine. Wow, well, that would be a good one. Yeah. I feel if I go on any further, I'm going to be making an absolute ass of myself trying to pronounce these <laughs> names. <Yeah. laughs>
0: we we'll start getting emails from the ukraine and or well, not the ukraine it's just ukraine ukraine and uh greece you pronounce my
1: name wrong you dick yeah exactly.
0: yeah i am a dick I oh, know. <laughs> um now
1: this this talk keeps coming
0: up every year mm-hmm. nrl transfer window of course how how many years have they gone on about transfer window? Like, it's definitely more than 10.
1: Yeah, it is. It just, every fucking year, this comes up. Yep. And it's so, I mean, we didn't like the fact that club sign players from two years away to, to contract and go, no, who gives a shit? Seriously, a player should be able to lock in their future for as long as, they,
0: from as far out as they want, for as long as they want. I like the, the thing where it's like, oh, we should have a transfer window. And it's like, okay, what does that mean? It's a transfer window. Okay, yeah. what? But it, transfer window.
1: In and, in their brain, they think that it means right for all of October. That's the only time you can sign contracts with anyone. Like that's going to work.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's uh, it's silly, and you know the way we've got it now is not too bad. I mean, you know, you don't like to see a player sign a year ahead of time, but it's better than the alternative of there being heaps of speculation. And then we get to a date where everyone's supposed to sign. And then all of a sudden, all these teams say sign players on the first day. And it's like, oh, all right. So these were all negotiated this evening, huh? Like, is that how it works? It's just... I think it's one of those stories that the media likes to toss up, like the draft, which has been destroyed so many times. And they like saying transfer window because you know, people start going, oh, what do we mean by a transfer window? Ooh, this will be interesting. And it's not really. They've got no ideas. No,
1: and this is the thing. The one thing they keep forgetting is that drafts, transfer windows, it takes the um, negotiating power away from the player. Mm -hmm. It's a restriction of trade. That's, Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And, you know, there's a reason why we've got a players' association now is to ensure that the players have the freedom to you know, speak with who they want, sign whatever deals they want. And so, yeah, it is frustrating when players um, break contracts. But I would rather have a player
0: break a contract than be forced to play for a team they don't want to be at. But it's not only that. I mean, clubs break contracts all the time, too. They
1: they do just as often, if not more so than players do.
0: Yeah, I would say it's probably more, to be honest. And... You know, but how many players have we seen where it's like, oh, you haven't got a club, and go, good luck, you know, good luck next year. Or they give them the tap on the shoulder and they say, look, you can stay here, but we don't want you, and you might have to play reserve grade the whole time. And look, some players do that. Yeah, I mean, you look at Robbie Farah. Yeah, exactly. He's a great example. and They wanted him gone, and he
1: just said, I don't want to leave. Yep. And then you get other instances, which is the other way around. Um, classic example would be, like, Gordon Tallis. mm mm-hmm. He wasn't allowed to leave the Dragon, so he just went, oh, fuck it, I just won't play for the year. Yeah. And so just a complete year wasted. And he wasn't the only one that did something like that. So it's... Yeah, you want to avoid those situations. And I think giving the players the freedom to move as they want to, wherever they want, and... The way it's set up now is if a player breaks the contract, then they sacrifice the money they would have got on that contract.
0: Yeah. Same but goes the, the other way around. The thing is, too, like, how often have we seen a player really properly break a contract? Like, we saw Sonny Bill Williams do it, right, where he mm-hmm. just upped and walked out. You know, you look at Roger tuivasa sheck, and you could say, well, he's broken his contract – you know, he negotiated with the New Zealand Warriors. And the New Zealand Warriors allowed him to forego, you know, the rest of his contract to leave. And you could say, is that a broken contract or is that a negotiated departure? And, like, the number of players that properly have broken a contract, it's very, very few. Oh, of course it is,
1: especially compared to the the number who set out their contracts in full. Yeah. So it's it's
0: not an issue, not even in the slightest. Is it an issue? But and look, the as a media like and a lot of this is about Matt Burton. You know, Matt Burton knows he's going to probably play reserve grade this year. He'd like to play first grade with the Bulldogs, but he's under contract. I, I've got no problems with Matt Burton playing the rest of the year as a backup to Lui at Penrith. Um, you know that's a contract he signed. Now he's not about to break his contract and until the Bulldogs come up with some sort of compensation, the Panthers are under no obligation to see that contract broken. But you know, it, it, he seems to be the player that this whole thing's been about. But as a Panthers fan, I've got no problem with any of the whole situation. I don't care that he's going next year. That's great. we got him this year and he can be the backup and that's it. Like, I don't see what the problem is. Yeah, it's. I, I can
1: I can handle if a player wants to leave a club and go somewhere else, even um, if it's a player I like. Don't care if 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 a player gets to have that freedom to do what they want and they're happy somewhere, mm-hmm.
0: then you're going to get them stuck in a contract they can't get out of. Yeah. Repeat. Well, he's you still there? Yeah. Yeah. You, I dropped, think I, you dropped out again? Yeah. You know what happened? Okay. Let oh, me uh, just get rid of this website. There's a website. Am I still here? Yeah, yeah. He's still okay. here. There was a website that I think is what was responsible for crashing my computer before. And oh. Yes. Right. And it was the Sydney Morning Herald website, by the way. Right garbage. Right. Channel 9 yeah.
1: garbage. That's what it is. Yep. That's what it is. Um. Well,
0: this was there? Well, uh, the Roosters are trying to get clearance for Joseph Sawali to play. Yeah, and it's funny because the NRL brought in a rule not that long ago where you had to be 18 to play in the NRL. Yep. And of course, the very first time that a club wants to break that rule, the NRL's having a look at it. And yes. The word is that they're probably leaning towards letting him play. And if that's the case, we'll just get rid of the rule.
1: Pretty much. Um, so, Sawali is 17 years old. Um, also worth noting, he was born in Penrith. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a fullback. Because yep. the Roosters are pretty hard up for fullbacks at the moment. They don't have any decent ones that they need. I don't know why they signed Suwali.
0: It's an interesting move by them i I think look I think that i i don't really i'm not interested in him at, at the moment when he starts doing something in first grade then i'll I'll be interested um the media is very big on on this young man and a lot of it's to do with the you know, negotiations between him and Sias and they broke down and then the rooster stepped in and he became become a rooster. Mm-hmm. You know, if we thought that there was a, a need to have a rule for 18-year-olds, then they need to stick by that rule. There's been occasions in the past where we've seen players make their first-grade debuts even at 16. and But those yeah. players that can do that are very few and far between and they tend to be... um. How would you describe them? They seem to, their body type is ready for it, I guess is the way to put it, and from what I've seen of Suwali, he doesn't have that same body type, he he seems pretty lean, and that worries me a little bit. Uh, There's also the thing of like, you know, putting a 17-year-old through that sort of pressure and expectation and, you know, the big money and all the media attention and stuff, is that the best thing for him and there is a duty of care that Rugby League kind of has towards him and that's what that 18 year old limit was brought in for and so I think that the first time that it's challenged if they break that 18 year old limit for this young man I just think it's a bad move. A horrible move. Um, I fully agree with everything you said there. I, I don't think
1: that should be allowing him to play. Um I don't know why the Roosters went after him. I, I think something else I'd, I'd bring in too is I'd be capping the amount of money that a player can earn at the age of 18 or up to the age of 18 because I don't think it's a smart idea to be giving kids who are 18 several hundred thousands of dollars when they haven't even stepped on the field yet. Because i sorry, go on. Well, just because, you know, much like the salary cap is designed to stop clubs from spending themselves to death – Mm. We shouldn't be allowing clubs to throw hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars at players who have never played first grade before and are still teenagers. I think let them play at least one season to get their true worth. Let the club have first and, you know, the you know, table the first offer mm-hmm. and also have the right of reply
0: in an, in an offer. for so, I a mean, this young player to the field. Yeah. A restricted free agent so that, yeah other teams can offer him uh, other team could offer him a million bucks, and if you want to keep him, you've got to pay yeah. him a million bucks, otherwise let him go
1: that's right yeah. and I think that way it works out fair for the club mm-hmm. um, but you've got to do the right thing with the player at the same time and i I bring this up because we've seen a lot of players come through getting huge deals at the age of seventeen, eighteen years old having never played in the NRL, and many of them don't have very long careers. And yeah. I bring this up more so, not because I don't think the players deserve it, but because I think the clubs need to start being smarter with the way they use the salary cap, because they'll
0: start trying to find ways to rot this. Yeah, see, I, I have no problems with it. I think that if a club wants to throw money at a young kid, uh, good luck to them. I, I hope all of the youngsters make heaps of money out of it. And, you know, we have seen there's a long list of, you know, young superstars that didn't, some of them didn't even make first grade, which, you know, and the, and the ones who did didn't play very well. I always bring it up the
1: uh, Carlos Feliga. Yeah. Yeah. What was it? Nearly 400,000, I think, was reported in, at the time. He was being offered by the Sharks.
0: Yeah, and that was a good whack for a, a. I mean, a state of origin player would have been pretty happy with mm. four hundred grand at that time. He played um, for what, two games, yeah. less than eighty minutes all up, less than less than half an hour all up, I think. And you just never like some some players. I think, and it's very very few. But you get someone like a Greg Inglis, and you know, yeah, uh, a Jared Haynes, another one. Like you, you see him as a junior, and you're like, th- th- you know, they're just. A sure thing, exactly. But they're like, well, they might be one in ten thousand, even. Like, who knows?
1: And that's, I mean, this is the other thing that raises too is, I think, all of this media talk and all the money that gets put on these teenagers
0: mm-hmm.
1: who haven't played in the NRL yet, um, it can put a shit ton of pressure on them. Yeah, because if you're getting, if you're Joseph Sawali. And someone gives you half a million dollars and you haven't played in the NRL yet, that's an awful lot of expectation put on your shoulders Mm -hmm. from the first minute you step on the field. And I don't know if a 17-year-old is able to handle the the microscope that's going to be put on them if they don't perform on par with other $500,000 players. Because that's what's going to happen. They're going to get compared to those. Are we getting our money's worth out of this guy? And if no, well, he's a commodity. He's a waste of money, so fuck him off. And there's just a... He's not a human. He's just a name on a sheet. And if he's not yeah. producing the numbers that we want on the sheet, then, you know, fuck him off. We'll find someone else. And then what? He's just discarded. And I i don't like that aspect of of the process. Whereas I think if they're all given a maximum of $150,000, which is heaps for a 17-year-old. So, right, this is the maximum we can give you for your first year. I think that way they can ease in. They're getting a big salary for a 17-year-old, but it's not stupidly high. There's no stupidly high pressure on them. They can just concentrate playing footy, and if everything goes well, give them four hundred grand the
0: next year. What's one year? See, the only thing I would say is that I would bet NRL clubs... Would say it's simply the market value of these young players. That's why and, I think if you put a age restriction on when you can give them the set amount, mm-hmm. they can't say that. But I don't think it's even just CNRL. I think it's rugby union clubs. I think it's Super League clubs. I, I like I would oh, say, of course it is. And I've I've said this before. I think a smart Super League club would buy Australian youngsters. Uh, that's what I would do if I ran a super league club. I would say, forget the superstars. I want to get the you know, the eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-olds who, you know, they're they're ready to make their first grade debuts because we could get a few years out of them, some of them might even stay. Um and and I, I I would suggest because of that, and our old clubs would say, you know, the dirty business of rugby league is that this is the market value of a young player. Because if, like, getting a player through free agency is so difficult and so expensive, and you will save so much money. I mean, say Suwali comes out and he's a very, very good player, and I don't know how long his contract is, right? But I would guess it's probably about three years, three, four years at most is four years, right? If the Sydney Roosters have. A very, very good young player on a half million dollar deal for the for four years. That ends up being a really, really good contract for them. And the next contract he's going to get paid big time. And that's when you lose that value out of him. You know, and we've seen that with youngsters before where you kind of say, well, you know, he he doesn't cost them much and he's playing like a superstar. Like you think of Benji Marshall when he first started you know, being a superstar, he would have been on very little money. Well,
1: I think and, back then it was fifty five or sixty five thousand a year.
0: Yeah, it was it was nothing. It was yeah. it was terrible. And I think he was on that much when they won the premiership. Well that and that's the thing. And like he would have been the most valuable player in that West Tigers team by a long, long way because of that. Um and yeah, I just think NRL teams would say, man, that's just the business. And I've got no problems with that if that's the business. But if we do have a a limit on what we'll put them through physically and coming into the spotlight of the NRL, then I think we should stick by it.
1: I fully agree on that aspect, absolutely. Now, there is one more story. Mm -hmm. Israel Folau, um, apparently the door is open because the Broncos, according to News Corp, um, have been offered the services of uh, Falaya.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, Daly Cherry Evans and Alex Glenn—no surprise with him anyway—have both backed Israel Falaya to be able to return to the NRL. Not that that yes. means anything, because it's not their decision to make. Yes. Um, I don't know. Uh, as as an athlete, I think Israel Falaya would be perfectly fine back in the NRL again. Yeah, but given where the Broncos are at the moment, given the emotional basket case they've got as a coach, I don't think they need the drama that comes with having Israel Folau on their side. We saw the drama that the Dragons went through just for entertaining the concept of possibly signing him.
0: Yeah, mention actually doing it. Yeah, I, look. I think that if you were going to sign Israel Flair, you've got to be a certain sort of club. Like, I feel as though the... And I don't know why. I don't really have a reason for it. But I feel like the North Queensland Cowboys would be the sort of club that could say... They'd need permission from the NRL. But I feel like if they could sign him, they could be like, boom, we've signed Israel Flair. We're starting round one, and that's it. And I feel like they would escape a lot of scrutiny that a lot of other clubs would go through. And I think the, the Broncos are one of the worst clubs in terms of the scrutiny that would be put on them. And I agree with you. I don't think they need the drama. And I don't think, because I think any club that signs him is going to have to batten down the hatches and you know go, go into it with a bit of a siege mentality. And I don't think the Broncos need to be doing that right now. They need to sort of do the opposite. And not shut out the rest of the world because they kind of need the reality checks that the, you know, that the NRL and being open to things would give them. Um, but, you know, what clubs could sign him there? I think that maybe, I really do, I think the Cowboys could get away with it and that's about it.
1: Yeah, I don't really know. Um, I'll say this and I'm not saying this in defence of anything he said because... He, the, he said some stupid shit, mm-hmm. um, and that's putting it lightly. Yeah, uh, Since he's been in rugby league, both prior to his rugby stint and since he's come back, he's been in perfectly good behaviour um, as far as I can tell. He said nothing controversial, and I wonder if all that shit he was doing when he was at the Wallabies was purely trying to get out of his contract. Because we've heard nothing since. And obviously there's going to be clauses put in his contract at at Catalan to say we don't want to hear you saying any of this shit in in any way whatsoever. And he's gone, yep, no worries. But in saying that, I'm pretty sure the ARU, or whatever they call themselves now, Rugby Australia, put similar clauses in his contract after his first misdemeanor, and he still broke it. So I, I wonder how much of it was a ploy by him to break his contract with the wallet with the ARU so he could get out and get back to playing rugby league again. Um, and if it was a ploy, um, dumbest fucking idea ever. Yeah. <laughs> and worst possible way of going about it. You could have just gone out and said, you know what? I think everyone, I use a bunch of fucking idiots and that probably would have got the job done. And I don't think anyone in rugby league would have cared.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, because we've, you know I...
1: we've not seen him doing the sermons. We've not seen him doing the stupid tweets and Instagram stuff, I assume. I don't follow him, so I wouldn't know. But, you know, we're not hearing about any uproar from him in the media anymore other than when he gets linked to a club.
0: Yeah, and look, I saw a thing, I think it was yesterday, from the West Tigers, and they were talking about Russell Packer. He had earned some sort of degree. I can't remember what it was in. And they, the West Tigers tweeted out that they were proud of him and, and what he had done to change his life. Now, if you agree with that or not, it's up to you. But I wonder what the pathway for redemption for Israel Folau is supposed to be, if there is one. I, and I'm saying this without any judgments either way, right? It's just I'm thinking out loud. You know, is there a, is there a way that Israel Folau can make it up to people for what he he put on his Instagram if there's not, that's fine. But if there is a way, what is it? And what is he supposed to do to, you know, is he supposed to apologize? Is he, I don't know. I really don't know. That's the
1: thing. I mean, is an apology enough? Mm. Um, I mean, the stuff he was saying was pretty fucking horrific.
0: Yeah, so, it, was, it was rotten.
1: So maybe an apology is not going to be enough. But then the next step after that is um, he has to renounce his religion, which no one should be forced to do. Mm-hmm. And that just seems stupid, just for a bloke who wants to play rugby league. So I don't know that there's anything he can do. He's he's made his bet. He's got to line the fucking thing now. That's pretty much where he's at.
0: Yeah, and, and that's what it comes down to. And like, I just think that the drama that comes along with him, man, I wouldn't want it at my club. As an athlete, in a second, yes, you know, I as an athlete, I would have him at Penrith in a second. But with all the drama and stuff that comes with it, it's like, no thanks.
1: What if he adopted his brother's name and came back to the NRL that way? <laughs>
0: what was his brother's name?
1: John. Played for Parramatta for a few years. Oh, that that's right. Yeah. It might have been Sioni, but he went through, Where is as John. He used an
0: English he name. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, I remember. He, and he just didn't pan out. It's weird no. how, it must be weird to be in a family where, like, your, your brother is highly successful at a physical sport and you just it just wasn't your thing you you just couldn't get to that level it must be really weird it would be it would be especially given that they built fairly similarly too Mm. and Uh, like you look at the walters brothers like they were all fantastic they were all great people forget how good Kerrod walters was yeah but uh But then you get other ones where it's like one brother does amazingly well and the other one just can't even make first grade. So it's strange. It certainly is.
1: Um, Now, that has led me into um, a a question we got on our Facebook page from um, Macca, who sent us in, you might remember, the last review that we read out. Yeah, yeah. Um, he said, thanks for the shout with my awesome review. You guys deserve it. For the filthy West Tigers and Panthers supporters, you guys go all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got a question. What's your thoughts, Folau of Brisbane? We've just discussed it. Brisbane need a centre and some experience. I don't agree with him as a person. He is a good footballer, though. Wish we had Andrew G back so he could fit both Folau and Cameron Smith in. <laughs> <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah, um, yeah look, I think as an athlete, they i don't even know if they if a center is what they need i think what they need is a an old head as a leader up front in the middle and they yeah. just don't have that they've just got a very young team across the park they don't have a genuine leader in the in the spine mm-hmm. um as we discussed recently i mean who do you sit there and go right? right we're going to make this person captain i mean there's talk that there's talk that um, Brody Croft isn't even going to be in the run on side yet. He was one of the. He's in the like, the captaincy group or the leadership group, and he was a captain last
0: year. Yeah, it's it's they've really put themselves in a poor place through their recruitment, um, you know. And, and these young Broncos players are going to be looking to someone like a Ben Tio, who shouldn't be playing in their in the squad. Like an NRL team shouldn't be looking towards Ben Tio to still be hanging around. Um, You know, be good at Brisbane. mm -hmm. And I say this in all honesty. Mm
1: -hmm. Moses and bye. Because you can sit there and you can put him in the halves or put him at fullback. He's a good guy off the field. Um, You know, he's a positive influence around all the players. And he can be a captain. I mean, that's a person to start with. You can build up around your forward pack from there and, and work from that. At the moment, they've got nothing. No one that resembles a leader.
0: Yeah, it's it's strange. It's a real strange one, and you know it just shows how important recruitment is. And we've we've talked about this, and it's one of my fears with the Panthers, honestly, this year. You know, you got to have the different levels of uh, of players that and and leadership, and you know, experience in a squad. And when you go, and the Broncos last year were they were either all super young or they were all super old. And they didn't have those in-between players. And, you know, the Penrith Panthers this year, a lot. it's a super young team. Like, they might have actually managed to get their average age lower than what it was last year. Yeah. And it does worry me. I think that the Panthers, having been together for a while, it's going to help that. But, you know, there are still concerns. And, you know, the Broncos, and we've talked about this a little bit last year, too when you're a young player and you you can have all the talent, but if you start learning the wrong lessons and you get into the wrong habits, it can destroy your career, no matter how much talent you had to begin with. And the Panthers are a little bit lucky. Their youngsters have had a good starts to their career. They've learned good habits. You know, even the style of play they've that they had last year, it was a style of play that, You know, to learn that, to be able to execute that, it's a really good sign going forward because they know that they can do that. The Broncos don't know any of that. Like, all they know is getting thrashed, given up, you know, crying on the field when you lose. They learned all of the wrong lessons last year, and they really do. They need a, a bunch of old heads to come in. And I guess the problem is that those old heads are not available. No, and you
1: don't want to be going out buying a ton of them. No. But you just need, like I said, you need one in the spine, you need one in the forwards. That should be your bare minimum. And they just, they've got neither. And they're not, it doesn't look like they're going to get one anytime soon. No. Um, So, I dare say they're hanging their hat on trying to get Cameron Smith. I mean, if they do get him, that would be an absolute miracle. But I don't think he wants to go to the Broncos.
0: Nah, no, no, I, I can't imagine. Unless he decides he's not going to play this year, and then you bring in Cameron Smith as a as a coaching assistant. But if I'm if I'm Kevin Walters, I don't allow that to happen because the next step is Cameron Smith is the Broncos' coach.
1: Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I don't know what goes on there. The Broncos are a mess. They've never had to deal with this before.
0: Yeah, and we've and talked it shows. We talked about that last year. Yeah, it really did show when they were going through hard times. And, it, you know, for all of the clubs that have been through difficult times over the years, and the Broncos hit some some rough patches, and they fell apart, it was shocking to see. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was shocking slash entertaining. Somewhere in the the middle. Who's the most entertaining team to watch implode?
1: The Broncos is pretty special.
0: That was pretty special. I think... Uh, and I'm sorry to say this, Dragons fans, but come on now. Like, your your club's imploding in a pretty spectacular way at the moment. But the thing is, okay, the the Dragons fans kind
1: of expect it. And I think that takes yeah. away from the entertainment of
0: it. That's like, true. They're absolute
1: That's... realists, whereas the Broncos, they've, they've only ever known success. And so when, when failure comes along, mm. they... They implode with the club.
0: See, I like... I guess I... When when the Dragons fans decide that they don't like what they see and they go off their heads about it, and as, you say, as we've said, they're realists. Like, if you go on Twitter right now and you say, man, the Dragons are terrible, you'll probably get a bunch of likes from Dragons <laughs> fans. Whereas I, I, had, I said something about the Bulldogs... Um, I I tweeted like they're not going to have a great season or something and there was a Bulldogs fan retweeted it and said I'd just like someone to say something nice about the club for once and I was thinking to myself man they come in 15th last year like what are you supposed to say to that you know Yeah. whereas Dragons fans would be like yeah we are shit aren't we we're terrible we need torn apart we need to sack everyone and to me that's kind of it, it's it's kind of entertaining to watch because they're so real about it. Yeah,
1: and you can't argue with them.
0: No, you can't. <laughs> you kind of like, you want to cheer them on.
1: It's all right. You said you're rooting for the fans, but at the same time, not their club. <laughs> yeah, it's, a,
0: it's... it's a weird situation. I, just, I guess what I'm saying is sometimes I like to see large groups of people being put through terrible situations just to see them react. Yeah, who doesn't?
1: Yeah. That's why we've got reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Um yeah, have we got an email? Yeah, I read it out earlier.
0: Was that just it? There's no Yeah, more? that's the one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's pretty much us done, done then, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um big thank you to manscape.com. If you go to manscape.com and put in our code which is N R L get 20% off free shipping a 30-day money-back guarantee. Go and get yourself the perfect package. It has everything in it. And you get so much money off of it, it's well worth the cost savings. Do something for yourself this year. Be ready. All of these lockdowns are going to end. We'll all be vaccinated. We'll be able to do anything we want. You want to be ready when that happens. So go to manscaped.com.
1: Perfect um make sure you check us out on instagram and twitter at fergo freak pod we're on youtube linkedin um i keep forgetting it because it's for myspace that's my the space one. yeah i can't believe that It's still <laughs> brilliant um we've also got our own website freaky
0: yes it's called fergo and the you should go there Send us an email. You can go to the contact section. See, have a look at all the guests we've had. We've had heaps of guests. Yeah, you check out all the history episodes as well while you're there. Yep.
1: Um, so yeah, check all of that out. Um, also, you've got another website which has got chock a block full of we- uh, podcasts on there.
0: Yeah, go to it's the longest. It's the longest address I've got. It's rugbyleagepodcastingnetwork.com. dot com. Uh, go you get you couldn't get dot com. You just to make it a bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man, I should. But yeah, rugby league podcasting network dot com. Go there, it's got all of the best independent rugby league podcasts going around. I'm adding new ones all the time. Um, they go up when they're posted, and you can also click on if you have a look at the sidebars. You can click on some of the sidebars and it'll take you and it'll show you all of the latest podcasts from all the different podcasts that are on there. So go and check it out. It's a pretty cool website. It's getting a little bit of traction at the moment too. So, and I hope to add little bits and pieces to it over time to hopefully make it a bit of a hub for all us independent content creators.
1: Boom, lovely. Love it. Um, That's pretty much us, isn't it? Yeah, it's been a good episode.
0: It has, but smash that one out. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Catch us all next time.